Would you please join me in our prayer for illumination? Let us pray. Open wide the window of our spirits, O Lord, and fill us full of light. Open wide the door of our hearts that we may receive and entertain thee with all our powers of adoration and love. Our reading today comes from 2 Chronicles, the 7th chapter, verses 8 through 16. At that time, Solomon, together with all Israel, celebrated the festival for seven days. It was a very large assembly that came to Lebohamath at the border of Egypt. On the eighth day, there was a gathering. They dedicated the altar for seven days and celebrated the festival for another seven days. On the 23rd day of the seventh month, Solomon dismissed the people to their tents, happy and content because of the goodness God had shown to David, to Solomon, and to his people, Israel. In this way, Solomon finished the Lord's temple and the royal palace. He successfully accomplished everything he intended for the Lord's temple and his own palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place as my house of sacrifice. When I close the sky so there is no rain, or I order the locusts to consume the land, or I send a plague against my people, if my people, who belong to me, will humbly pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven forgive their sin, and heal their land. From now on, my eyes will be open and my ears will pay attention to the prayers offered in this place. Because I have chosen this temple and declared it holy so that my name may be there forever, my eyes and my heart will always be there. The word of God for the people of God. So today we focus on prayer. Uh, we take an opportunity uh, between uh, two series just to spend a day uh, talking about prayer. Now, your experience may be different than my experience, but uh, having gone through um, a number of debates, uh, an election cycle, um, all of the things that seem to be thrown um, at each of the candidates, I've been amazed. I mean, when you listen to how the candidates talk about what will save us, one says a wall will save us. Another one says uh, trade um, agreements, uh, raising and lowering taxes will save us. Both of them accuse each other of uh, horrible deeds. Um, one recently has told the other that there should be a drug test before the next debate, uh, assuming that somebody's on drugs. Um, sometimes I think both of them are. Um, you know, and the other one has accused the other one of, uh, you know, treating women horribly, right? It seems like it's just a mud fest all over the place. But oftentimes I think that that mud fest comes from a deep sense of anxiety. That as a nation, we're terrified. The world has changed underneath our feet. Uh, that when we look at how the world used to be in the 1950s and 60s, that is completely different now. Uh, um, there, it's easy to feel anxious about what tomorrow might bring. 
Now, I'll be honest, I'm anxious about what Wednesday will bring. Um, for those of you who are uh, new to the discussion, I'm having uh, surgery on Wednesday and headed off for six weeks of medical leave. And so uh, you can be anxious about tomorrow. I'm going to be anxious about Wednesday. Don't laugh all at once. Um, what I find interesting is our scripture passage today addresses our anxiety, uh, also gives us um, a step-by-step -step process to invite God to heal our land. Uh, so if we look at our scripture passage, um, well, uh, the scripture begins uh, with uh, King Solomon having built a royal palace and a beautiful temple that they've now consecrated. Now, the consecration of the altar takes seven days. On the eighth day, uh, there is um, a group that comes all the way from Lebanon through to Egypt uh, to where, uh, in Israel, to where the temple was. Uh, th then they have another seven days of celebration, followed by another seven days of celebration. Are you doing your sevens times table, right? Uh, with the extra eighth day, um, we end up adding all together to a party that lasted 23 days. Now, you know, could you imagine a party that lasts 23 days? I mean, could you imagine the 4th of July lasting all the way to July 27th? Or Cinco de Mayo becomes all the way to Cinco de 28th. Sorry, didn't take Spanish. Right? Could you imagine a party? I, I mean, I've been at some wonderful um, unveilings and commissionings of buildings. I, I feel like I've seen beautiful work, um, but never once has the commissioning party lasted longer than a day. And so, uh, it's almost like King Solomon has uh, done what needed to be done. He's relaxed into his bed, and in the middle of the night, God speaks to him in a dream. And in the midst of the dream, uh, God says to King Solomon, you did great. I will choose to uh, rest in this place. And so throughout all generations, people will know my name because of this temple here in this place. And then God says, if there's a drought, if there's uh, locusts that come and devour your crops, if I send a plague to destroy most of the people, if if is a terrifying word, please know that if you do this step-by-step -step process, uh, I will heal your land. Whoa, whoa, wait, what? So sometimes scripture gets a little skinny, so let me put a little bit more meat on the bones of what's there. This if is really truth, right? In the midst of all of this building and work, uh, the nation of Israel has been beset by a drought, uh, by locusts, and by a plague. You see, God's not saying, hey, just in case, you know, break this glass in case of emergency, but rather, hey, let's get serious. Things are upside down, and if you want them to be right side up, here's the way to begin. And so we find ourselves at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14. So just to want to take this kind of phrase by phrase, uh, it, it, um, it seems as if uh, Solomon uh, might be uh, living in our day, and we might be living in Solomon's day, uh, that times are difficult. Uh, we're worried and anxious about tomorrow. And so here are God's instructions. If my people who belong to me. Now, let's just play with these words for a second. It doesn't say, if the nation of Israel, 
It doesn't say if um, all the Jews in the world, it, it doesn't say uh, if those who have memorized the Ten Commandments. No, what we get is if my people who belong to me. Uh, um, when you look at Matthew 28, the um, Great Commission, right? Go into all the world, um, uh, teaching, uh, baptizing, and making disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, it, it, notice that, that language, into all the world. Same kind of idea here, uh, if my people. When we look at 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter describes the church as a holy priesthood, uh, set apart, right? Notice it's not by uh, denomination, it's not by ethnicity, it's not by location, but rather it's about a call. So this word belong, if we translate it back into the Hebrew, this is much like the shepherd and the sheep, right? We've heard Jesus say um, that uh, my sheep know my voice and come to me when I call them. If my people who belong to me, if my people who hear my call, if my people who know the good shepherd, right? Um, the next phrase will humbly pray. Now, it seems like humbly pray. How could you pray in any other way other than humbly? But let's think for a moment. Some of us treat prayer um, as if God is a great vending machine in the sky, that if we put in the right tokens, push the right button, the blessing that we want comes out. It's, it's not a hard deal here. We just claim what's ours. It's an entitlement. Uh, it's an opportunity that if we do it right, then God has to give us what we want. Now, those are interesting words, right? I've never thought of blessing or gift being an entitlement. And I've never thought of prayer being about what we want, but rather about what we need. I mean, think about the posture that we take when we pray. If we are to kneel, if we are to close and bow our head, and even as Pastor Kate talked today, placing our hands together in devotion. Humbly pray. If my people who belong to me will humbly pray, the next phrase, seek my face. Now, um, seek my face seems kind of obvious, nice poetic language, Maybe a little bit of hallmark mixed in there, but I think there's more to this than just that. Uh, I found it interesting um, that, uh, that when, when Grace was born, um, I was reading up on infants, uh, on uh, all of those kind of neat things about babies, and one of the things I learned is that a newborn's focal length and vision it, for, for clarity is about six to nine inches. N notice, six to nine inches. Notice when the mother or the parents or people who love the baby carry it like this. That's about six to nine inches. Th that if uh, the baby's far away from you or the mother is far away from the baby, that, that that ability to focus on the face isn't possible until later when the baby's grown. But right here, six to nine inches. What is it like for us to think of ourselves as drawing close to the face of God, of, of being um, so close to God that we can see God's face, that it's not just a, um, a uh, cosmic overlord who's way out there, but rather the love of a mother, the love 
of a father showered down on us. If my people who belong to me will humbly pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Ooh, right? No one wants to admit their wicked ways, right? And wicked really sounds terrifying, right? I mean, I, I know I don't do everything right, but wicked? Really, preacher? That's kind of hard. Um, I, uh, uh, as an, uh, a young pastor, um, I had a small group um, uh, at the first church that I was at, uh, a number of church members, and uh, we were going around the, uh, the room talking about sin and confessing our sins, and, and we just, just had to say one, right? It didn't have to be all the whole list, just one, and we got around, and it might as well have been kind of the matriarch of the church. She, she was easily 90 uh, um, or more. I don't know. I was young, right? And uh, we get to her, and she says, well... I don't think I have any sins to confess. My jaw went to the floor. I was con uh, conflicted. I did not know whether this is, because we kind of hope that as people get older, they get more holy and sanctified, right? So maybe she's right, you know? But then there was a part of me that thought, no, no, right? Maybe this is, you know, because people get older and older, they, they, they kind of lose that filter, and, and maybe she's just saying whatever she wants to, right? I had no idea pastorally how to help this woman out at all. Um, but I can say that in the Hebrew language, when we talk about turning from wicked ways, when we repent, actually the Hebrew word for repent is to turn around, uh, the word is teshuvah. We often talk about it uh, with uh, regard to uh, John the Baptist's call for people to repent and be baptized. You see, in our world, uh, our GPS allows us to go in any direction, uh, to do anything. We can even choose a route that will um, avoid highways or avoid toll roads. We, we can go anywhere with a GPS, but in that kind of Hebrew mindset, you are walking in one of two directions. You were either walking away from God, which meant that you needed to repent and turn back towards God. That there was only two directions in the Hebrew mindset. You were either journeying closer to God or you were journeying away from God. Friends, we don't have to stack up uh, how wicked our ways are. Maybe it's just simple enough for us to evaluate what is our life about? Is it about journeying closer to God, or is it about journeying away from God? And maybe there's a moment for teshuvah. We look at the next uh, phrase. Okay, this is, this is a, a curveball, right? Then I will hear from heaven. Wait, I, who's the I? Is this King Solomon? Is Solomon already gone to heaven? Is Sol Solomon finally saying, hey, I'll pay attention? No, no, this is God addressing Solomon. And so here it is, then I, then God will hear from heaven. I have to be honest, um, does this mean that uh, God's finally taken his concerta and he's going to pay attention? How, how best do we think about these words? And then I will hear from heaven. Now, to make sure that you don't think I'm being disrespectful, um, there are places and spaces in Scripture uh, where, where God did not always hear the prayers of the people, right? Just take, for instance, okay, not all the way yet. <laughs> Go back. Um, so uh, so the, just take the story of Exodus. Um, uh, you have the story where uh, Joseph brings the whole family uh, into Egypt and that the Pharaoh knew Joseph and that they lived in the palace and it was wonderful. But then a new Pharaoh came who did not know Joseph. 
And the Hebrew people became uh, the slaves of the Pharaoh. Um, and uh, the Hebrew people, the Israelites, they cried out in prayer to God. Um, and they cried out for, for a generation. And then finally, the beginning of Exodus says, but then God heard their prayer and sent them a deliverer. So then I will hear from heaven. I think the thing here that's most important isn't about what God's uh, attention is like, but rather recognize the word then. So, so if my people who belong to me will humbly pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then, not, not before, not after, not during, not whenever I want to, but then... I will hear from heaven. When we look at the next uh, phrases, it says, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. What I like about this is, um, you know, it was very much in vogue um, uh, about 10 years ago uh, to uh, pray biblical prayers. Um, one that I remember being uh, very popular in the churches that I had served was the prayer of Jabez. It, it, not a bad prayer at all. Um, I think sometimes you have to apply the ability to be humble when we pray that prayer, right? It's not just about vending machine uh, and getting your territory increased. What I love about these last two phrases here is that the first is very individual, the first step is that God will forgive us of our sin. But then the second step is that God will heal our land. How often do we um, address God individually? How often do we ask for needs that are individual? How often or not often do we come together to pray for our land, right? In a corporate way, uh, in a way that speaks not just to my needs or your needs, but our needs together. Forgive their sin and heal their land. I wonder, um, in, in, the, uh, in the days of Second Chronicles, this would have been an agrarian uh, society. And so the sending of drought, the sending of locusts, um, the uh, arrival of the plague would have um, kept the people from actually surviving, right? They're living off of what they grow in the land. And so this prayer becomes not just a prayer for increase, but a prayer for survival. And so I wonder, friends, what is it about our land right now that, that actually challenges our ability to survive? Is it that there are more messages uh, being uh, communicated through advertising and media uh, that we feel like uh, we and our children are marketed to all day long? Is it um, the fact that our land is uh, plagued and poisoned um, with the ability not to tell the truth? Uh, you know, it's so interesting that fact-checking uh, is something that's important in the life of uh, politicians. What would it be like if we just spoke the truth without having to be held accountable uh, to what we might not say and what we would say. How hurt is our land? Um, you know, there are so many uh, uh, angles to go at this from um, economic diversity uh, through uh, to um, e um, uh, strife between police and ethnic groups, um, between the, the rich and the poor, the haves and the have-nots. What are the places that threaten our survival that if God were to heal our land, 
would change our lives. It's a pretty nice step-by-step if my people who belong to me will humbly pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Uh, Your church has been involved in uh, One Day, One Church. It's a prayer program where uh, churches in the Brassport area, 31 of them, I believe, uh, commit to a particular day in the month. This last month, uh, we committed to the last Wednesday in the month. Uh, And so you were invited to sign up uh, all the way around the clock um, to pray at your homes for an hour. Um, and that together, all the churches in Brazosport would be praying for the same things um, to see uh, this happen uh, in our community. Uh, now, we did really good. Uh, Nancy Lampkins has been in charge of uh, coordinating and organizing this. She said we got all the hours covered except for 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and 4 a.m. So if you're up at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and 4 a.m., that, that would be great for you to sign up. Now, I thought... Um, that it would be good just to double up at 2 p.m., 3 p.m., and 4 p.m., but apparently that's not the same, right? It's praying throughout the... Thank, thank you for laughing, Matt. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's coming up again. Uh, again, we're going to be the last Wednesday. We'd love for you to prayerfully consider h- how you might put this into action. We'll give you an hour's worth of things to pray about. Um, we promise we won't leave you uh, alone to your own distraction or your own devices. Uh, we'll help guide you in how to pray. Other communities that have done this have seen um, improvement or change in so many different ways, whether it's new employers moving to the area, whether it's new social services popping up uh, for faith-based counseling, uh, whether it's um, increases in the Christian radio station, um, you name it. Uh, It's been amazing how God's moved uh, when we have finally taken the time uh, to humbly pray, seek God's face, turn from our wicked ways, and hear what God has to say. Uh, Nancy Lampkins was sharing with me a story. Um, this last uh, month, she was lining up everybody. Um, now, we had sent out, um, tell us how you want to be communicated with. Some of you like to get emails, some of you like to get texts, and some of you like to get phone calls. This one person wanted a, a text, and so she was texting, asking uh, what hour they wanted. Um, and, uh, and the person said, now, who are you? Now, she thought, because she, she knew who she was texting, you know, because she had the name there. She said, oh, this is just somebody being funny. And so I said, no, would you like to pray for our community? We're, we're inviting people to pray uh, one hour during the, thir- the last Wednesday uh, in the month. The person said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. That'd be great. But really, who are you? And she thought, okay, so maybe this isn't snarky humor. Maybe this is something different. So, so she dialed the number that she had been texting and talked uh, via voice to somebody who was not who she thought she was texting. Came to find out it was a complete stranger in the Brazosport area. But who, imagine this, said yes when a random text came and asked him to pray for an hour Uh, for his community on the last Wednesday of the month. You see, we don't have to be perfect in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. All we have to do is be willing to make it an important part of our lives and then invite other people to come and join with us. I find it fascinating that through a random text, somebody decided that they would pray with us for our community. If my people... If my people, do you hear the call? Do you hear the shepherd's voice? Do you yearn for the land to be healed? If so, God says, 
I'll listen from heaven. I'll forgive your sin and heal your land. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.